Hey there. I know we talk about this all the time, but I want to make sure that you know about it. I know you know about it, but I want you to take time to look at it. We have a Patreon campaign, and that helps fund not just this show, but all the shows we do on the network, Abject Suffering, Everything to Guppy, Radio Free Midworld, all that stuff. Go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Uh, that's where you can get like bonus shows or help uh, vote in polls to determine WAF games, all that stuff. So again, patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast. And this is the listener response episode for Mech Month, talking about Jumping Flash, talking about Armored Core for Answer, and hearing your thoughts on Titanfall 2. It's true. Yeah. Um, before we get started, uh, yeah. I want to do a quick note. Yeah, I, I saw a really cool sign on my way back home from getting lunch today. It was for It was at a local middle school. It said, right. uh, it's, it said, Sharks, Sharpsburg Bulldogs exceed expectations. <laughs> yeah. God, somebody go and cross out the uh, Sharksburg or whatever. <laughs> Bulldogs. It just, a, <laughs> just as yeah. a huge sign. Like, I'm going to buy a billboard. <laughs> it just <laughs> nature's all star. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, it's, it's really weird that you knew that I had something to make a note of yeah, at the beginning of this episode. I, no, I love, uh, I, I actually love Bulldogs. Yeah. Um, bulldog, Bulldogs are great. Hey, Bulldog. <laughs> um the uh a good Beatles song that is tanked by shitty lyrics. Yep. <laughs> um the uh so I just wanted to make a quick note at the beginning of this to let people know who didn't, you know, put it in an episode and let people know who didn't know and uh talk to some of the people who did know. Um that this week uh I have been dealing with a, a tragedy um of sorts that ended up having a, a relatively happy ending, so we freak out. Um but Rory's got really sick. And uh he was on Death's Door. Like I almost lost my cat. And uh you know, that story has been kind of told elsewhere in, in all of the details. Um, but uh, the reason why I want to bring it up on the show is, one, um, to let everybody know uh, if during this patch, and we, we record because of timey wiminess and pre-tape call-in show, like, who knows when all of the fallout from this will come out in relation to when this happened, right? And we, we know we could figure it out. But just know that it's at the time you're hearing this, this is probably semi old news, but, mm -hmm. uh, one, like if I'm a weirdo on anything, it is because I haven't slept, uh, cause this has been really rough. Um, and two, just to thank everybody. Cause I did a, a GoFundMe, uh, to pay for veterinary care, uh, which ended up being a almost, uh, so I am going next week, but I think it, at the end with medication stuff, it's going to be about $5,900. Mm -hmm. Um, I raised a little bit over that, uh, which is great. Um, which will is not for nothing because I have to go in and, and have him checked out a lot uh, in the, you know, however long he's got left. But um, people were very generous and allowed me to uh, to kind of take this chance. And uh, for the people who are listening who did that, I want to say thank you. Yeah, it was amazing to watch from the outside. Being somebody who, you know, is an acquaintance of Roar's, 
Um, yeah. <laughs> but knowing, knowing most that, importantly, how important that I wish him no specific harm. <laughs> yeah. I will yeah. wish her. Yeah. No, yeah. but uh, no, knowing how important it is for Gary, it was really, it was really heartening to watch from a distance. I, uh, this has been, and I, and I keep thinking about ways to turn this into content because my brain's broken. Right. Right. But also because, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a form of communication and, and it's, a, a therapeutic thing or like a journaling thing to get this stuff out. Mm-hmm. I've had this idea for the last, uh, you know, year or so of doing like a short run of dead. I deal Valhalla where the first half of episodes are like these five really, really terrible days I've had in the last, <laughs> you know, uh, eight years or so. Right. Like there's very specific markings and then just doing the rest of it, like a regular episode and doing it, this like mini series. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm keeping this idea. And I think I will, talk about this at some point if not that if, if maybe a one-off or 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 somewhere because or very slow uh abject suffering like somebody suggests you know tic-tac-toe for the atari 2600 so yeah. we can uh, taboo the sixth sense that keeps yeah. coming up yeah. um but it, it's a, i've learned a lot uh from this mm-hmm. um it is it has been a really transformative thing um as far as uh me and like what uh you know, I've dealt with death mm-hmm. um, before, but what it means and how many different shades of gray there are in that, like, um, you know, and a lot of like what it means to, uh, uh, you know, to the vulnerability that comes with uh, caring about somebody, um, you know, quite that much. Right. Which like, you know, obviously I've had a family, I've I've been in love, like I've had some of that, but never had it really tested. Like I, you know, it was all in the, the shallow end of the pool. Um, and this was like, how deep does the pool go? Right. You know, how, how close can you come to drowning in this specific pool? And, uh, the answer is very close. <laughs> uh, like really, really terrifyingly, uh, horribly close. And, um, you know, just a lot about, uh, what, uh, cause it, it, it all, you know, this might be the thing that makes me give up on the dark gift. We're just to tie it back into network stuff, right? Because like okay, yeah. a lot of this was coming to peace with like, oh, it like it all ends in death. Right, right. You know, like no, nobody, and I knew, I, I'm not an idiot. I knew that. Right, right? But yeah. it was, you, it was you know I, how long cats live and you know how long humans live. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know how, I know how long everything lives. Right. The, um, I have Google, but the, the, <laughs> this is, you know, even though I knew that this is a step towards accepting that. Right. Where it's like it all it all ends in death, you know, and it, it does make me uh, feel. And even though I knew this, but internalize a little bit of that that truth that I it's not like I didn't know this before, but I and I, it's not even that I didn't practice it. Yeah. But that uh, you know that time is really valuable. Right. Um. You know, and the the time that you have is very valuable, and it is uh really important to kind of memorize. Um, the important people and things in your life, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it just, you should, you should feel that you have nothing left unsaid, yeah. you know, like you, you have, have it all out there. Um, so it's been very important for that. Uh, and so I want to say thank you to everybody who donated and give everyone who didn't donate a heads up because one of the reasons why I was able to do this, um, other than just that I'm insanely lucky and have a really weird job, um, is that because Roars is important to some people listen too. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got, he's got his fans irrespective of me. Yeah. Like if, if I were to, to, to have heart failure and, uh, you know, an un, I can't remember the exact phrasing for it, but <laughs> if that were to happen to me and I were to go like words would, would keep going on. He could, he could hold this for me. 
Yeah. He could go on on Catnet and do like a GoFundMe <laughs> for me because he has fans in and of himself. Yes. I mean, he's the closest thing we have to a mascot. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's he's the he's an emoji on all of our social media and stuff. Like he is he is the the duck feed mascot. So just the idea of so many people uh, who also you know who roar who love roars like that's been very touching. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he you know he appreciates it. <laughs> uh, you know he appreciates. I mean, he, not right now. He doesn't actively appreciate it. I like to think that he appreciates it. And I I it is just uh, like what he he. It would be right to. It would make sense for him to. Maybe mm-hmm. that's like the best way you can. Yeah. Uh, pathetic fallacy. <laughs> you know, a cat like or you can you can anthropomorphize a cat. Is that yeah. like in if if he had the capacity to, he would. Right. You know. Yeah. Um. So. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, and as of this recording, um, I guess this, this is also just to let everybody know that the the thing you know, cats as we mentioned, cats don't live forever. Um. This is a thing where like he's. You know, I, I bought more time, but I didn't buy all the time, um, you know, so I can only speak for now, which is part of this lesson. And for now, he is recovering really well. Good. So he's home. Um, he's happy. He's eating. He's drinking. Um, he's using the bathroom. He's purring and, and hanging out and looking around like he's doing all that stuff. His his voice is really sore because he uh, was really ragged of breath, which is why I brought him in. And he mm-hmm. kind of spent many days uh, in, in the oxygen tunnel, kennel. Uh, which he believed gave him sexual power. That's only half true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and the, uh, but he's, he's, so his meow will show up again. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's not, he's been very quiet, but he will be yeah. uh, noisy again. He'll come back. He's, he was dehydrated and he was, he's proud. He probably was meowing quite a bit as well. But he probably, he's probably just yeah. worn, worn himself nonstop, out. Nonstop yelling. Like, I think yeah. he's just been uh, really exhausting, but it's just, it's been really heartening how much better he seems today. Mm-hmm. Um, like yesterday was very sad. A, a cat uh, can get a thing. So as part of this whole deal, he had a potassium deficiency. Right. And uh, I don't, I have no idea what potassium does for humans. I'm not a science. Uh, I mean, I can, guy. I can tell you, but I get the sense you don't actually want to know. No, I, I mean, I, <laughs> some mysteries are better left unsolved. My friend. <laughs> the, <laughs> I'll tell it to Robert Stack. The, um, but the, uh, in a cat, it makes you uh, drunk and pathetic. In a way that's really sad. Like you can't, like a cat can't lift its head all the way up. Um, it makes you, you know, very lethargic. Um, have you, and, and big, the biggest thing is having your head kind of tilted down. Like your head kind of lolls about, mm-hmm. um, you know, like you're drunk. Uh, and it is, it was just really hard to watch. Yeah. Like he looked like he looked, if I didn't know whether he looked like he was dying right. yesterday. Uh, and I went to sleep last night expecting to wake up and have him not be around. Mm. Um, the vet said it was fine, but just my, in, every, all of my instincts were screaming like, this isn't okay. Yeah. You know, like this is, this isn't my boy. Like he's not okay. Yeah. You, you, you uh, know, you know, his body language, you know how to read him to an extent. Yeah. You know, I, I, I know him pretty well. Yeah. Um, and the, uh, the vet was just like, oh, if, if he's going to come out of it, you know, cause again, he's not out of the woods. Like I need to, I keep saying that because I'm also reminding myself, right? Right. Like, right. Um, but if he's going to come out of it, this is normal. Um, and the, uh, this morning he's, again, he's not a hundred percent. He's just much better. Like his head is up. He's walking around. He's looking around at things. He's still not, you know, doing all of Roars is uh, kind of signature moves. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the 900 to the 650. <laughs> yeah. 900, uh, paw slap. Yeah. The, uh, the, the 
540 pop shove it yeah um, <laughs> um but he's uh he's just much better and i just hope that this is a trajectory mm-hmm. and uh you know he can uh continue to get better yeah so the the next step for him is that the next step for me is feeling okay leaving the house uh-huh. uh and then you know where i don't feel like as soon as i turn my back on him he's gonna cease to exist right um, you know, but, uh, thank you everybody for your support. Thanks for your well wishes. If you're, this is the first time you're hearing about it. Um, you know, uh, thank you for putting me in a position, you know, like it is because of listenership and stuff that I was able to do this at all. So thanks everybody. Yeah. Uh, for that. Yeah. He's a good boy. He is a good boy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of a series of good boys who wrote in, <laughs> Yeah, um yeah, yeah. Uh, good good boys in the gender the gender neutral way yes yeah. yes yeah good i i consider good boy to be a gender neutral yeah yeah term <laughs> good good i mean good people doesn't sound you know no, that no, no, sounds no. too serious Spe- speaking of menches yeah yeah i don't yeah i don't know exactly how to, to say it good yeah. good folk i guess that also sounds serious yeah it does you know yeah. so yeah i feel like i i would like to move boy to be a gender neutral term in general <laughs> and and girl like let's all terms gender neutral yeah let's whatever <laughs> let's start mar- let's stop marking it everything means anything yeah i mean like it sounds like a joke but like i don't you know yeah it's whatever I, <laughs> if it doesn't you know if it doesn't uh in most cases it doesn't matter like it doesn't need to be specified so yeah uh and including this case like i do not know the gen the gender of uh ransom um random sum yeah there you go random sum uh who wrote in about jumping flash to say uh this game is still fun you can tell it's from the 90s because they still call them power pills instead of molly uh, <laughs> uh by which he means ecstasy right yeah I, I think they're different i think molly's a powder oh, i think, yeah, I, think yeah. I think it's applied uh i think it's applied under the eyelid really um oh. yeah and uh and, and then also you have to put it in different colors of lipstick and then at the end the molly has like different bands around it and then they put where they pour all the all the pills into a big bowl uh, and then I think they swing. Molly, uh, Molly is MDMA. Huh. Okay. Um, MDMA, I, I believe, according to uh, bluelight.org, <laughs> according to the first result, uh, yeah, it is a powder. Uh, it usually comes in a capsule, though. Mm, okay. Um, you know, and, and this is uh, the point of Molly. This is according to bluelight.org is to give you a clean roll. <laughs> as, a, as, um, a, as opposed to, I think, ecstasy, which turns you into an oven yeah yeah Yeah. and also makes you a baby microwaving hippie monster (laughs) i I don't don't know california (laughs) cheeseburger but they're both uh, mdma it's just Mm -hmm. they're just different slightly different right right yeah Yeah. in theory they should be no different from each other Um, mdma gives you the same effects no matter what in reality the difference between the two is that ecstasy is often pressed with active ingredients and molly is cut with inactive ingredients so (laughs) one is like a Pure version one is a version that has like a little bit something yeah. extra. I think we're on a roll. Let's talk about more drugs we've never done. <laughs> <laughs> like all of like you know, everything except for pot and, and booze and caffeine. <laughs> and that's right, I included caffeine. I'm a Christian kid at camp. Yeah, you're a you're a Mormon. Um, <laughs> so the uh, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. Uh thank you, Random Some Jumping Flash is still fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and they do call them power pills. Yeah. Uh, Brett writes in via contact saying, I never owned this, but my mom's friend, who also had a son my age, uh, would babysit me after school. We played it a ton. Um, I didn't uh, I didn't remember a whole lot about this game as, as I was nine years old when it came out, but I watched a YouTube video for some memory jogging. Uh, one thing I immediately noticed was that uh, this is clearly a robot rabbit. One of you, me, 
uh, claimed it was part frog. Uh, I also remembered it uh, as being a frog. But between the small bunny icon and the HUD and the collecting of carrots and not flies, I think it's pretty clear it's a rabbit. Mm. I wrote this, Cole. We, <laughs> we can disagree. <laughs> we can disagree. Um, yeah, despite this, uh, this, this clear preponderance of evidence here yeah. that he laid out that I forgot about, but I wish I had <laughs> during the episode that maybe you wouldn't be in this mess. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I remember was go to exit. Um, right now, like it's code. Why is there no space between go and two? I can remember us saying Gato exit or Goto exit as jokes. Um, I don't speak much to that friend anymore, the friend that he played the game with. Uh, but I did send him a message about the Jumping Flash episode. He asked for a link to the show, and I hope he listens. I hope That's so great. too. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for spreading the word. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for backing me up. Uh, on the, on the, old, <laughs> the great rabbit, rabbit and frog, frog debate. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. We recorded that so long ago, I barely remember it. But yeah, uh, you know, I'm history. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I I am the entirety of history. <laughs> history will prove me prove me right. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that if frogs didn't say ribbit, I think that we, you know, we'd be there'd be a little bit less gray area. Yeah, yeah. Because then you could just say the name. Mm, you know. Yeah. Like uh, like frogs say ribbit, but even then. Like a frog isn't called a ribbit, you know? I mean, but there's ribbit golf. <laughs> Touche. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I'll take your word for no, it. No, the, the fucking, the, the, the GameCube uh, golfing game that we played, the ribbit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, there, yeah. There's frog right. baseball. That's true. There's yeah. frog baseball. Um, yeah, I guess, yeah, the, the debate's still on. Yep. Everybody listening, text one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just press one on your phone. It'll yeah. know. <laughs> the, yeah. Just text the number one. And to what the blank field. And, uh, <laughs> will, uh, so I wonder how much it costs to set something like that up. I think, you know, anyway. um, it seems like something on. that'd be either surprisingly cheap or surprisingly expensive. Yeah. It won or Yeah, exactly. With no points in between. It's not yeah. going to be 20 bucks. Right. It's going to, it's going to be like 19 cents a month or like a $400 dedicated. Yeah. yeah. You know, DSL phone station, <laughs> dialatron, happy friend, happy dude yeah. kind of thing. Um, Moving on to responses about Armored Core for Answer. James says, via contact. For Answer was the Armored Core game that I sunk the most time into because of its fast-paced next battles to it and its ever-so-deep mech building. I spent the majority of my time building mechs out of parts that I was unfamiliar with. Going back to it, uh, the control scheme is more than cumbersome. At times, it feels like you need a trained spider well, <laughs> to help work the buttons. <laughs> Love that image. Yeah. Um, Overall, it's a gear and numbers, uh, gear, gearhead and number crunchers dream. Also, Jumping Flash was an awesome game that was freaky as hell to play on shrooms. Why would you do that what to is, yourself? Yeah, what, what a common, what a weird common denominator Jumping Flash is having. <laughs> you know, we covered that LSD game. <laughs> Abject Suffering, guys. Like, we ever did Abject Suffering response episodes? Yeah, it's gonna be yeah, all all beast. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I've never done I've never done shrooms. Yeah, I've never done shrooms. But the, the, the thing that all of my friends tell me is that it makes you throw up. So I can't imagine mm. doing shrooms and then playing a motion sick nightmare. <laughs> yeah, you're already like, you know, throwing up like it right, is right. already. I'm know. already slightly dissociated. So, yeah. And, and, yeah. and nauseated the. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, that, that is interesting. I, I think that uh, the control scheme for for answer, I think that you're right. If it wasn't quite as uh, customizable. Mm -hmm. But the fact that they hide those, you can't blame anyone. <laughs> it's like in the third version of the settings. Yeah, you go in, you go into the sub setting of settings. Yeah, the first like the, can... the first setting is a, a menu. It's just a Potemkin town. Like you know, there's nothing behind those doors. 
you also we didn't talk you, to get into settings you have to be in the game as well yeah the settings i don't think it, the settings that starts off in the the main menu like video games have done since time immemorial gives you this option at all so mm-hmm. and, and like there's a little bit i think the idea is supposed to be that like you're literally fiddling with your mech in the garage to change how it controls right right but that juice ain't worth the squeeze nah yeah um yeah yeah uh, uh brian said oh yes thank you james brian says via contact Armored Core for Answer and Dark Souls were my two favorite games of the last generation, well before I even knew that they were developed by the same company. The Moonlight Greatsword and Dark Souls eventually tipped me off. Despite its clunkiness, I think that what I had the most fun with is how simple it was to iterate on a build. I normally like to create highly specialized builds in video games to offer different play experiences, and For Answer allowed me to do that in a single playthrough with almost no cost to tweak it until I got the results that I wanted. Anytime I hit a wall in the game, I would switch to another mech or build a new one. Um, I could have my uber-fast sword mech, my flying dual Gatling cannon mech, my tank loaded with as many missiles as I could possibly fit on him, and whatever other build struck my fancy. The schematic and sell at cost features meant that there was no pushback in going fashion mech crazy. The fun kept me going through all three endings uh, and, and helped me experience what I felt at the time was a truly profound story. Uh, the moment that truly got my teenage self was at the end of the destruction path when your handler has been guiding you this whole time, eventually turns on you for your actions and attempts to bring you down. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a, a very neat kind of uh, subversion mm-hmm. there, you know, because it's it's hard to say that, like, I, I care that much about the character of the handler. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it wasn't, like, personally a character moment, but it is kind of a gameplay character moment like right. as far as that her relationship to the player mm-hmm. like that can be meaningful you know even if i didn't really buy the relationship between the characters right most of the time she just ends up being a you know a voice that tells you what to do yeah you know but she's talking to the player as well mm-hmm. so it's like oh this is the person who's telling me how well i'm doing and kind of giving me attaboys for this entire experience yeah and now i've crossed a you know a moral rubicon that they will not follow me on right um pretty neat you know, and we, we talked a lot about that, uh, that build variety and, and being able to, to iterate, mm-hmm. you know, not rapidly iterate, but able to iterate, <laughs> which is, which is really great. Yes. Iterate without cost beyond time and menu friction. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is a, that is a huge thing. Part of the game. Um, as I've thought about the game since we played it, uh, it's this doesn't, this isn't to give the game less credit for it. Um, but that's, that's apps. It's the thing we're lauding it for. And I think we kind of talked about it in terms like almost as if it were a bonus, um, it was a thousand percent necessary. Oh yeah. I think the game wouldn't have been good without that. Nope. Um, yeah. So it, it's, uh, it's, they made the the choice that you could make <laughs> in that case. And if not, I don't know that it would have been a good game, mm-hmm. you know, like if, uh, if it would have been a thing where it would have cost a resource, you could have got yourself in that situation where yeah. you, uh, are lit, you know, in a bathtub while it slowly drains <laughs> and that's never a good feeling. Right. Um, yeah, moving on. Uh, Sid says, via contact. Although I beat the PS2 Armored Core games back in the late 2000s, I didn't get around to 4 and 4 Answer until two years ago. The wait came with a price, as a, uh, Armored Core 4's PS3 patch servers are now offline, and the default balance of that game felt like a direct attack on my fingers. After the punishing yet rewarding Last Raven, my experience of beating 4 felt somewhat empty. Luckily, my habit of continuing right on to the expansion paid off with 4 Answer. The game had the patches from 4 baked in, meaning I could perform amazing feats like staying in the air for more than 5 seconds. 
On the whole, it simply felt better to play. Additionally, the arms forts finally solved a perennial issue of your smaller size not really being an advantage against big enemies. Even after losing some progress to a hardlock glitch, I came back after a couple of days and didn't feel much in the way of repetition. Early missions were so fast that I didn't have time to remember every detail. That feeling changed in later stages, but by that point I made sure to save uh, after every Link's showdown. 4Answer also saw me using the most unique builds for specific missions. Uh, taking out the big tanks in one blow with the exploding uh, Kojima blade, blades was uniquely satisfying. While I missed the aesthetic of having three different armored cores in a personal garage, I ended up spending more time on my single unit instead, which extended the lengthy uh, coloring and decorative stabilizer placing sessions. <laughs> the armored core series, uh, armored core is a series in which I can't think of many memorable moments outside of reaching the endings of Armored Core Nexus and Last Raven. Four Answer didn't really change this, but I do remember how much fun it was to play. I still have V and Verdict Day to play, or Five and Verdict Day to play, uh, though my short time with Five makes me wait makes me want to wait for a remaster. Feeling that I had fun replaying Armored Core Three, and I bet Four Answer will be much the same. Yeah, it'll yeah. go fast. <laughs> yeah, it, it goes down really easy the first time you do it. Yeah, you know, which is is I think if it, it you, you kind of have to do that in a game that's built on you playing it again. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, and I don't really have anything to disagree. I don't have as much background with the series, so I can compare it uh, as much. But that's useful input, yeah, useful feedback. Yeah, I cannot imagine playing an unpatched version, and that is, I, I guess I knew that it was possible for patch servers to go down. Like you, you read news stories like, oh, so and so company pulled down the multiplayer servers. I had no idea that just like, well, we're stuck with what's on the disc now. It's it's only a thing for. Uh, you know, that that problem is going away rapidly yeah. and it's only ever been a thing for console games mm -hmm. because you can, uh, you know, a computer, or, somebody will have it. Yeah, you can always get a, a fan patch or, you know, like a like a mirror of it. Like it, like once it exists, it always exists. But yeah. 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 So the um, yeah, it's kind of a, it's it's luckily, you know, that we are we are the last generation to, uh, <laughs> to see the, to see this problem. <laughs> Welcome to Earth. <laughs> not in the id4 sense but in the you know in, in yeah in, in the uh, opening scroll yeah, yeah. yeah opening not the opening scroll <laughs> hi guys i can be anybody <laughs> it's me i'm wonder man no i'm, I'm... not <laughs> <laughs> i'm just seeing i'm just here to see what's going on i'm goliath i'm giant man i'm ant man i'm a scroll <laughs> um yeah <laughs> Secret Invasion should have been more folksy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Opening scroll is what I meant. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kyle writes via contact. My first experience with Armored Core was getting the first game as a Christmas present for my dad way back in 1997. And I spent many hours of quality mech construction and combat time with that game. I also spent some time with Project Phantasma, the PS1 expansion to the game, but I fell off of the series when it transitioned to PS2. It was years later when I picked up when I picked up Four Answer out of, out of an EB Games bargain bin, and it ended up being the highlight of that year, where I spent my free time clearing all of the paths of the game. The fast-paced combat was refreshing, and I loved it so much that I was very excited about Armored Core Five, only to be sorely disappointed with its multiplayer focus and shoddy single-player campaign. I later went back to Armored Core 3, and there is definitely fun to be had there, but I feel like For Answer was the peak of the series, and I hope From Software will someday follow it up with a quality single-player sequel. 
the callback to it and the ending of and the ending of Armored Core Verdict Day just wasn't enough. Yeah, yeah, and we I mean, we talked about this a little bit during the episode, but um, you know, as everyone is trying to figure out what From's new projects are, like this definitely made me go from not caring if it was an Armored Core to wanting an Armored Core. Yeah, and now it's like. You know, and it wasn't it wasn't a shit on anyone's front. Like everybody really wanted a new armored core, but I just didn't know the series, and I don't. Yeah. You know, we talked about this. I'm I'm kind of ag- agnostic about Mecha in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's you know if they take those kind of things from Four Answer as opposed to things from Five, from my understanding, mm-hmm. and modernize that, and uh, make that you know a little bit, a little bit more ease of of use, I think that uh, that could be really great. Yeah. You know, as much as we all want um, a new Souls like. You know, or something something that scratches some of that itch. Um, you know, I would also take that. You know, yeah. I would also love a uh, an armored core that is informed by this kind of thing. Yeah, me too. Especially um, with all the experience that they have with balance and yeah. uh, you know, like unique setting more than anything. Really, I would like to see yeah. some of, some of, some of that ethos brought to it. Yes, uh, having some kind of sense of place and stakes and what the world is and all of that jazz yeah. would be really huge. Like bringing that actual synthesis of the kind of uh, gigantic mecha armored core gameplay uh, and things and that soul sense of, you know, discovery mm-hmm. um, would be really cool. Not just in a mechanical sense like For Answer does, but in a world building kind of sense. Right. So, you know, give me give me some lore. Please. You know, like lore, lore is becoming a Mimi joke. Uh, I would like it added to this kind of thing, though. Places I don't want it, Mario. Places is, I do want it. Is lore becoming a Mimi joke? I mean, I think I think it's just coming becoming a hacky thing to talk about. Like it's becoming a, a hacky word. Okay. Um, I, I've seen it joked about more mm. and more. Okay. That's kind of a thing, and and it's it's you know it, it's this this could just be like my my sense. You know, I could be wrong about this. Mm-hmm. I just feel like when something becomes the butt of a joke long enough, it becomes something. And this is this is not necessarily a concept I endorse like wholeheartedly, but like uh like Austin Walker, the Waypoint guy in Bonfireside Chat alum and and mm-hmm good good writer and thinker um had a like a, a thing where he talked about dead language a long time ago mm-hmm. uh which is like essentially just kind of means like words that get used over, overused words you know like it's it's not like a concept i'm totally on board with yeah. because i think sometimes it can be descriptive and i think just kind of finding new ways to describe the same thing when we have a perfectly adequate descriptor is kind Cliche. of cliche yeah yeah like i mean a lot of times cliches are just true though Right. You know, so like you might want to avoid them to make entertaining writing, which I think was a large part of his point. Uh-huh. I don't think it means that they, the ideas behind them become invalid. Right. But there is kind of a sense, I think, that the idea it becomes just kind of taboo to use. Yeah. Or falls out of fashion. Phrases and words. Yeah. Yes. It falls out of fashion is a good way to put it rather than taboo. And I think lore is becoming one of those things. Right. Uh, mostly because so many people misuse it that it becomes kind of confused. Right. You know, but it's still, I, I mean, I know what it means and I, and I, I know when, what it is and what it isn't. And like, I would still like to, to, uh, that <laughs> is, would, I, I'm, that is the thing I would like to see in this. You would, you would still like to have that arrow in your quiver to describe and to accurately describe a new, a new armor core game. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to get rid of that word. Right. You know, for, for, you know, so that is, that is something that I would like mm-hmm. to have happen. Um, moving on to Titanfall 2 responses. Uh, Kyle says via contact. Um, I don't know if this is the same Kyle. Um, so um, <laughs> there, there are two Kyles and three Kyle responses. I forget which Kyle wrote which. Yeah. So <laughs> it's got a real shell game going <laughs> it's, on. It's a, here. It's, a, it's a real it's three, 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 Kyle Monty. three, three card Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, yeah. the, uh, so this, this Kyle, Kyle two, Kyle X, Y 
says via contact. Um, you said in the episode that you liked the lopsided balance of pilot versus mech play in uh, Titanfall 2 because you felt that uh, because you felt that the mech play was the weaker of the two. I think that's a fair assessment of the gameplay, but I still felt disappointed without how weak the level design around the mech was. The mecha design in Titanfall 2 is really great artistically, but you hardly spend any time in the campaign getting to know any one design, and the mech sections feel, feel trivial. While the play balance in the campaign is functional, it's hardly laudable, as it just papers over design weaknesses. I think the main problem here is that the mechs are designed for use in combined arm situations in multiplayer, with the other players working together with uh, you either as other mechs or as infantry. There are two problems I can see for the campaign design. One, all limitations are always going to make satisfying a combined... A AI oh. limitations? Oh, thank you. Um, AI limitations are always going to make satisfying combined arm scenarios elusive in campaigns. This is especially true because the freedom of action in Titanfall 2 would force the designers to do a lot of scripting, which doesn't lead to very enjoyable play. Two, being in any kind of meaningful combined arm situation is going to take away from the power fantasy of your shooty man being a demigod of the battlefield who can take on any challenge alone. It requires coordination and teamwork, not things that the campaign is interested in at all. Uh, you said TF2 was a good way to end Mech Month because it's an enjoyable game, but I think it also points out a lot of areas where single-player mech games struggle due to the limitations of AI and the conventions of action games. What seems to be lazy design decisions in the game may point to deeper design problems the team at Respawn decided to paper over. Yeah. I'm very sorry that when I edited this, I didn't replace TF2 with Titanfall 2 because as it's, I was it's reading... okay. Did you hear me every oh, time? Oh, every single time. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I, I did Not it too. Team Fortress 2. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as, and when I was reading along, I was doing the same thing in my head. So Yeah. yeah. It's, um, yeah, I, I think that this is, uh, interesting. I don't know if I agree 100% uh, with this. I agree that the mech sections are weaker and I agree that it could they could be resultant of that conflict you know of of wanting the mechs to be used in uh in concert with things but the the design i don't know what to contrast this with as far as a a game that has the language of a first person shooter where you are in a mech that uh has this kind of that has this kind of stronger level design that that you're looking for or this kind of level design that doesn't require that mixed arms. And it sounds like part of your point is that like a, a mech kind of thing is inherently designed to have kind of uh, mixed arms, mm -hmm. combined arms as, as a kind of thing. And I don't know that, like, I, I haven't seen a counterexample of that, but I don't mm -hmm. want to say that it doesn't exist. Right. I guess, um, you know, it, to me, this is the reason why the the mech sections of TF2 are like that is partly because um, you want to avoid it just being like a mech skin. Like if you were in an ultra mobile mech, mm -hmm. um, it wouldn't matter that you were a mech. Yeah, you might as well just like eat a mushroom and turn into, you know, 2X size shooty, yeah, a big, shooty godman. <laughs> a big guy, yeah. you know. Um, so I think I, I still maintain that I think it is very clever that I don't feel like it's papering over uh, weakness. I think that they, what they did was they took that uh, that kind of challenge, um, and rather than solving it necessarily, they used it. Uh, they turned it into a solution, which is to have that balance between kind of empowerment and disempowerment. Right. You know, like it, it has. You. Know, I think that Kyle's right in that. Like, you do 
the mech sections are kind of a breeze. Yeah. Um, but that's an important pacing thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like there are a lot of games that do that. Yeah. Like when you're, um, <laughs> when, when you're in the mech, it's not that you're on rails, but the rail is greased. Yeah. You have, you have these greased rail sections to contrast with these sections that are a little bit more precise. Right. Uh, and the game is not difficult in any section. That's never been what it's about, but right. having this kind of ebb and flow of being powerful and being weak is something that a lot of games do. Yeah. Um, you know, and is, is a, is a game design quiver thing that, I'm not, I don't know enough about this to say that that wasn't the intent, mm-hmm. you know, that that was just something they fell back to because they couldn't do AI to simulate how the mech operate in mixed arm, combined arms in multiplayer. Yeah. yeah. But point two seems, seems astutely observed, you know, the, the idea that they didn't want to put you as a shooty man up against a mech because it would disempower you. Um, yeah. I could see that, like, even though surmounting that, that challenge would be incredibly empowering, like how badass would it feel? to single-handedly take one of these things down like you get a, you get kind of close to that at the end of end of the abyss when you're in the combat scenarios but you yeah. jump into a mech really quick at the end of that well, I, could, you, I, you, I could see that being play tested out because those initial deaths on the way there just wouldn't line up with the with the ethos of the rest of the game so you just yeah. don't get you don't get that asymmetry outside of like a very controlled set piece and and that point you know that that situation you're describing does happen in the multiplayer right like you as a person, a big part of being uh, the appeal of that game is being outside of your mech and taking down mechs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, th- I think that Kyle's point is that is too hard with all the scripting and AI that would be re- required yeah, yeah. to do some uh, a direct simulation of that. But I, I feel like uh, I just feel like that there is space. You know, there is an imagination that can make that could make that work. Right. Um, what they went with instead, and we we didn't really like how much guy whitey shoot good is like a god of the battlefield like i don't mm-hmm. think that's a good part of the story right i just don't feel like it's an accident right you know i feel like the fact that it does i do feel like that was the story they wanted to tell and this was the thing they wanted to do whether it was a good choice you know remains to be seen but i don't feel like it was papering over anything right so i don't know i necessarily agree with that um i do think that it uh there's still room you know, mm-hmm. so the thing I take from this is that there is room for a game that does that, you know, outside of a multiplayer scenario that does that kind of combined arms bit. But I also think that there could be room for a game that does um, this kind of sw- swapping back and forth that has much more satisfying single player levels, mm-hmm. you know, without, you know, we, we talked about we did this with Four Answer and like Four Answer kind of makes you not a mech. Yeah. In a lot of ways, like you can you can really be very heavy and you're really big and they do a lot of tricks with scale, but you move around like a Souls character. Like that's Uh why that one was suggested, you know, but there's got to be there are a lot of games that do this that are action games. You know, they're like Mm -hmm. Mac Warrior games and and earlier Armored Core games, and they're Mm -hmm. really stiff and stuff, but they do have level design. You know, I haven't played enough of them. I'm not a big enough fan of the subgenre to like Mm -hmm. say, but it feels like what there has to be kind of good level design that they could have done. Yeah. You know. Um, I also wonder how much of it is hamstrung by the fact that it has to work downwards as well. Like anything, any level they did would have to also work for the person, for the human. Cause you can, it's always optional to be in the mech. Right. Other than a couple sections where there's like poison gas or whatever. Right. Um, it's not always advisable, but I think you can get out at any time. Yeah. You know, they put those batteries in hidden places so you can jump out and feed your buddy if you need to. <laughs> um, you know, so there's a lot of different challenges here. I just think that it makes sense for them to want to go for this empowerment narrative and stick yeah. with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what does also Kyle say? <laughs> the, th- yeah. the third entry in the Kyle trilogy. <laughs> um, yeah, the Kyle Chronicles. Yeah. Uh, says, I put more time into Titanfall 2's multiplayer than any other game last year and felt the need to write in. 
I know you guys won't be covering that section of the game, which is a shame because it's where the excellent movement, sh movement system really shines. Uh, they introduce new abilities, slightly different to the main game, which synergize great with speed and momentum. One of which is the one of which being the best grappling hooks video and video games, um, and also serves as a slingshot that can launch you across the map in seconds. Basically, a Spider-Man web. Um, another being the Phase Watch. Hmm? Wait, wait a second. Yes, the Phase Watch, um, altered from the main game, giving you a brief period in another dimension, which grants iframes and invisibility to outmaneuver your opponents. Uh, another that effectively doubles your speed and health for a short period. And if you feel like doing some bamboozling, the hollow pilot sends out an idiot replica of yourself that runs into walls and is meant to trick other pilots. <laughs> um, all these and more combined with maps designed around wall running and leaping through the air lead to high flying chaos that can't be topped and fun. IML, in my opinion, um, I don't often play slash like multiplayer games, but I think I enjoyed this one because it's not as worried about being balanced as it is about being fun or interesting. On top of that, they continue to add free content every other month or so. A shame not many people pick it up for the multiplayer as the servers are nearly dead and it never had a large community to start with, probably because the first one was a bust. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about the first one being a bust and just kind of the general challenges this game had. Uh, you're, you're pressing a lot of my buttons there from grappling hooks to bamboozling and also uh, designed for fun and not balance. It's just uh, just not a way I play games. Yeah, I just I just don't want to shoot other people. Yeah. Like ever. I mean, it, it's it's a hard thing to explain. Will, uh, co-host of Everything to Guppy and you know, network friend uh, and all of those things, uh, loves that stuff. Like uh -huh. he plays a lot of competitive games. He talked about and... this in one of the episodes, like talking about how he plays for hero moments. Yeah, yeah, he's got he's got this thing. He's got a thing for hero moments. He also uh, in games like he loves um, like Meat Boy likes like right. he loved the White Palace in uh, Hollow Knight. Yeah, um, like a, and, like borderline massacre stuff, right? A little bit. Yeah. And it's it's there's just it's I talked to Will about games uh, is the, the person I talked to second to you mm -hmm. about games, right? Like Will is, is my games buddy. And um learning the differences between the different things he and I value in games has really shed a lot of light on that specific thing that has never worked for me, mm -hmm. which is, you know, competitive multiplayer, um, you know, and it just ends up making sense. Like all those things that you get, those hero moments, and also that feeling of like having accomplished something like a, a feeling of, um, and this, this, I don't mean this to sound damning, but like self-worth that comes from a game, right? Mm -hmm. Like I did a thing, yeah. you know, and I, I just almost never feel that way. You know, it's like we played, um, God, Titan Souls. And it's like, it is, it feels good when you beat a boss. Like I'm playing Celeste now. It feels good when I beat a level. Uh -huh. It's good. It's just not something that like I'm going to seek out. So like if I'm playing uh, TF2, either TF2, and I want to, you know, I'm playing it multiplayer, I'm going to shoot other people. Like I get that a big part of that is the, the challenge because an AI or a scripted sequence can never replicate like a skilled other player. Right. You know, that is, and that's how PVP and Dark Souls works. That's how, that's the, that's the draw of multiplayer mm -hmm. is that we don't have computers good enough to simulate it. Right. Um, I just don't care that much about games like that. <laughs> that, that I don't care that much about that part of games. I guess is my point. Like I don't, that's surmounting that kind of challenge. i like, I want that to be static, you know, and I want that to be coupled with a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. Like I want to have a good narrative reason I'm doing it. And I want to, uh, I like being able to take my time. Uh, in games yeah. like i like to be slow and i like to survey a situation and come up with strategies and 
these like most of these, you know, these multiplayer games that I can't get into, even if all that movement stuff is very fun, like I just would much rather have it in a all those those abilities ported into even a mediocre single player campaign. Mm-hmm. Or here's a, here's a level that around, that's uh, designed around the grappling hook. Yeah, I like I want the toys. I just don't I don't care yeah. about killing other players online. Yeah. You know, I just can't care about it. the two things like we're going to right after this, we're going to record the shooter episode. And like the two things I cannot give a fuck about are score mm-hmm. uh, and killing other people online. <laughs> I just I can't bring myself to care no matter how yeah. hard I try. It's even, even when I played a, a Team Fortress uh, classic a lot and was like in a guild and stuff mm-hmm. that was almost entirely uh, to. One, it was because I had a million hours on my hands. Right. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> yeah, I was and, in middle school. When I did yeah, that. I, yeah, it was like I was I was unemployed and I lived back at my mom's house. So I had infinite time. Um, but two, it was about exploring the class abilities. That toy part was still even more appealing to me than like getting the kills. Mm-hmm. And I only I cared about my team winning. I never cared about points yeah. that I was getting yeah. or anything. And it's just it's an alien thing to me. Mm-hmm. It's not, I don't think anyone's bad if they care about that. It's just I can't. It's just not appealing to me. Yeah. And it, like different values. And it makes covering stuff like this, you know, a little bit fraught for us, you know, when, when we decide to do it for the show, you know, and it always leads us to over, you know, over disclaim things, I think, you know, yeah. or, you know, declare ourselves to be carpet baggers, um, you know, just because like for me, if we sat down and like, if it was not something like Team Fortress where I had a lot of kind of history and just kind of like care for that scheme of game and that, that world to an extent, like I'd be sitting down playing it and then just thinking about everything else I'd rather be doing or playing right now. It feels, yeah. it feels like run, running on a treadmill, <laughs> not from yeah. like a, like, Oh, I don't like exerting myself kind of point, but just like, Oh, why would you, why would you do that when progress. you could do? Yeah. Yeah. Not, not making yeah. progress. You know, and that, that progress bit is a big part of it too. Like, um, you know, cause the, the games that are multiplayer arena things are perpetual games, mm-hmm. you know, it, or, um, and there are, there are games that aren't arena shooters, but like, that's what destiny is yeah. too. You know, it is, um, I can't remember that like lifestyle games, mm-hmm. um, as things. And I just, I can't like one for work. I can't get into one of those mm-hmm. because I have to be playing a variety of games because of the podcast. But two, I just don't, I want to get through a bunch of games. Yep. You know, when I was doing a uh, comrade, like, which one reason I missed that show was that like, I was playing two new one indie game a week for a year mm-hmm. for the whole time that that show ran. I was getting, like, I felt better. Like I had a wide breadth of kind of points of reference as opposed to going like super deep and being like, I'm going to master this one thing. Yeah. You know, I've got Isaac for that. Like Isaac, Isaac scratches that itch for mm-hmm. me, you know? Yeah. So all those movement things sound amazing. Mm-hmm. And I hope that some dev looks at that multiplayer and says, let's make a single player game based on this grappling hook. Right. And I will, I will get it day one. Like that sounds amazing to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I just don't care about killing other people. And then <laughs> and like online strangers too. Like I don't understand how that's not a holdup for so many people, for people, mm-hmm. you know, like I just have to, I'm not saying, I know it's not all 14 year old Xbox live people calling yeah. you slurs. And also like voice chat is almost entirely optional in those things. Yeah. No. You know, so you have to like, just not care, you know, but if you want to succeed, like part of it is coordination. And I just don't have faith that I'm going to meet strangers that I'm going to enjoy collaborating with. Yeah. And I don't have a group of people who yeah. want to do that kind of thing consistently. I have a weird schedule. The, the, just the, a lot the, of things hold me back. The idea of coordinating with people to play a game just gives me a borderline panic attack. It's just, yeah. it seems very stressful to me. Yeah. It just, I, I can play, I can do that with one person. Yeah. You know, uh, and we just do it whenever we get a chance, you know, it, it's very slow. It's like once every two weeks. So there's just a lot of reasons why that will just never work, but I love those ideas. I really wish those would get done 
in a more palatable experience to me. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I don't, I, and it, just to further, I don't think less of anybody likes that. I, I use no. some language in there that makes it sound like, you know, it's like, oh, it's, it's like a tread. We, you know, we talked about it being like a treadmill and we talked about it being, uh, you know, I kept framing it as killing other people online. That was just me being pithy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a lifestyle game you really love. It's just not for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then TF2 was a good game for us to do. The, this The second TF2 uh, <laughs> was a good game for us to do for the show because it does have that strong narrative single player component to it. Even if the narrative so we, isn't very strong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it, it's a big part of the experience, even if it's not great comparatively. Right. You know? So we got a taste. Um, finally, uh, moving on to, uh, to John, is this me or you? Uh, this is you, uh, John with a, a leftover from child of light. Uh, John says, man, I feel for you, Gary, when you're talking about how little annoying things occurred, uh, to a stage where you become distasteful of a game. I hit that with divinity, original sin two, a couple of days ago, too many bugs, forced paths that disincentivize, uh, exploration, difficulty spikes, and some lackluster quest. The last straw was a boss with resurrecting ads that prolonged one battle to last an hour. I remember getting uh, the same experience with Dark Souls and even The Witcher 3, compounding little annoyances until it breaks you. Hate playing the back end of games has become a common occurrence for me over the last couple years, and I need to learn when to give up. But all these games have great stories, which keep driving me. As you describe each misstep, I could imagine all these issues you guys have with Child of Light being annoying. My problem with the game was that it was too easy. These issues never arose for me, and I must have been very lucky uh, with the build that I picked. I also had the benefit of knowing uh, it was a parent-child game before playing it, which tempered my expectations. Lastly, that rhyming made uh, made me feel incredibly detached from the story. A bit of wasted potential. Uh, thanks for trying to temper your frustrations over this game to detail what you saw as mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely get what you're talking about. I am eagerly awaiting time when I have free time to play Divinity Original Sin 2. So that's a bummer, <laughs> but I'm that's tempered a little bit by this is the literal first negative thing I've heard about it. Mm. So every other sentence has been like, this is a game that's made for you. So right. um, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. No, I mean, so you get something like uh like child of light and it's like walking around and say, Oh, that, uh, Oh man. I like, I got a pebble in my shoe. Damn it. Uh, you walk yeah. and you're pissed off and you're walking, you're pissed off and you have to get to where you're going because it's your job. And then at the end you just empty your shoe out, you know, clean the blood off of them and then describe each rock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I can't call the big one bitey. Yeah. <laughs> um, we I was talking uh, just before we started recording. Um, I was talking with uh, Jim Crawford. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Of uh, you mean Jim Storm Dancer? I do mean Jim Storm. God damn it! <laughs> Jim <laughs> like, Crawford mean, is dead. Yeah, Jim Crawford is dead. Jim Storm Dancer. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> who uh, the, the Frog Fractions fella and uh-huh. friend. Um. He's a friend first in the Frog Factions. Uh, frog Fractions. Uh, for for frog Factions is the multiplayer game. Yeah. <laughs> frog Factions, Tribulations of War. Um, uh, but my buddy Jim. Uh-huh. Uh, and he was talking about The Last Guardian and how uh, he was expressing a little bit of frustration at like how artful and beautiful it is, but it got kind of middling reviews because it's hard to control mm-hmm. your guy uh, or control your, your cat dog bird. And um, I, I haven't played that game yet. I really want to. Uh, but one of the things that made me think about uh, that thread was that frustration is, um, and this is related to the beginning of the episode, the stuff with my cat, um, mm-hmm. is that it is just one of those, like, I think it is just kind of a laser guided bullet to the center of humanity's like 
that's always going to frustrate people. That frustration it, is always going to frustrate them? It, or it's always going to be a big deal. Like, right. it's always, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, going to, it's going to have an outsized effect because the uh, you get frustrated in those kind of situations when a lot of times, like, you know what you want to have happen, but you don't know how to make it happen, which is a different feeling than, like, you know what you want to have happen, but your hands can't do it. You know, like, we talk about meat hands all the time, right? Right, right. And, like, we don't, we almost never frame that as a problem with the game. Like, that's always just like, I knew what you need to do, but, uh, you know, our hands weren't good enough to do it. Yeah. It's going to come up a lot in this next little bit we're recording, I bet. <laughs> but it, we, when it's something like, I know what I need to do, but the game is not communicating to me what to do with it. That's like frustration. And that just feels huge. Yeah. You know, like that, that has like last a cast a really long shadow over an experience because like, I think that is just a very like, God, why won't you understand me? You know, as, <laughs> as like a, a human experience. Yeah, kind of I just, uh, I, or you know, I have no idea why my why my intention isn't turning into action. You know, in the yes. way that I want, right? Because that, that's the that's the basic that's that's operation as no. a human. Like you, you know, that is what we operate. We take intention and turn it into action. And when there's something in between there, it feels like elementally broken, right? You know, and when you know, and that that came up with like in a weird thing with like Child of Light, right? Where like the game was not telling me how to do the build. You know, so I ended up getting myself into that shitty build where I couldn't do uh, light damage mm -hmm. uh, to any appreciable effect. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, God, you didn't tell me, like, this is the thing I intend to do. No one's telling me how to do it. I didn't know how to do it. Fuck. You know, and it's like, <laughs> it's, you know, it's too, it's too late now. And that's just a very like, oh, yeah. you know, that that's, I think that that just has a huge effect. That's a, yeah. that's a really big deal. Yeah. Or like even down to, um, you know, the previous point about the about the pebbles in the shoe or whatever, like putting out a positive critique of The Witcher 3 has signed us up kind of for a lifetime or at least five years of responses <laughs> saying like, oh, I totally want to get into this, but I can't because of X, Y, Z. Somebody wrote into the level recently saying, yeah, I respect that game, but I but I don't like it because it took me 15 minutes to walk through a door. Mm. And it's like, and oh, then, and, you know, and then that gets down to like, oh, the combat is clunky. And it's like, well, that's not a problem for me um yeah but yeah it, and try, trying to figure out and part of what the you know you do in or what we do in the show is trying to figure out what is actually the game communicating things like where the line is and trying to find like it's all subjective but how subjective it is yeah you know um and, and that can be kind of a tricky thing like there are things that just uh like overhead you know, one of the reasons why I'm still optimistic about Divinity Original Sin 2 is that, uh, like, those overhead, like, I'm playing with my action figures in the field, isometric Baldur's Gate games come very naturally to me. Right, right. Like, that, just, those just make sense mm -hmm. inherently. But, you know, other I know people who, like, a first-person game just doesn't make sense, or a first-person platformer specifically just doesn't make sense to them. Mm -hmm. You know, just it just feels bad. Like, they can't figure it out. And the same person who had a hard time getting through the door in The Witcher, I imagine that's the same kind of thing, right? Like, yeah. that just... I didn't, I didn't find that super hard. Like I, I could get through there, but I also, there are things that I find very frustrating, yeah. you know, that I couldn't get. So finding out where those lines are and what the game, when it's resultant of, of the, the content of the text, like when it is the game, not telling you what to do or the game, not presenting the information or making it as easy as they could, mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah. Or, you know, like, next... not like easy, but just like conscientious, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Intuitive. Yeah. The nice thing is we are going to get, 
many, many years of people writing in about the the Witcher 3 and saying, like, we tried it, we couldn't get into it. But luckily, a lot of people are, like, we also got a lot of people who said, like, hey, I tried this because you guys talked about it. And yeah, really yeah. Like it but th- there's definitely a range. I'm not I'm not trying to make it sound like I'm plagued even by the people who write in, please, you know, please share those yeah. experiences. But it just, like, it is it is remarkable how, how easily a lot of the responses kind of sort um, into these clean kind of categories like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been very happy to watch, uh, Brian Wade mm-hmm. go through the Witcher three yeah. uh, on Twitter and watch Scott Benson of uh bonfire side chat alum and night in the woods yeah. go through it. And I, I really like that Scott Benson liked it because a lot of the kind of indie, like more twee kind of game people I know will, they, they bounce off of, of it because of the character reasons. Um, some of that, but then also just will kind of inherently turn their nose up at like a big triple a lauded thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been really fun watching Scott get into it because Scott's like, oh, this is one of the best games I've ever played, like hands down. Yeah. Like he's way into it. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been it's been nice to see because that's somebody whose taste I like. And it feels good when somebody whose taste you like mm-hmm. uh, mirrors your own. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's all the responses we had. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for writing in. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate it. The deadline is always the 15th. Always the 15th. So, so the and... 15th of March, uh, you can write in. If you have things to say about uh, the two shooters we're doing, mm-hmm. Ikaruga are, and Jamestown. Yep, um, Hearts of Stone from uh, some some AAA game that we, we don't want people to, <laughs> so, so to yeah. bounce off of and get angry. <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. Don't get angry at me; it's not my fault. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't make it. Uh, but Hearts of Stone, which is the strongest Witcher three content, uh-huh. um, and then uh, Breath of the Wild. Yeah, yeah. Um, Legend of Zelda. So yeah, so go to. Uh, duckfeed.tv slash contact to write those in again by the 15th uh mm-hmm. we should announce what we're playing in march oh i'm excited or in april oh april yes yes yeah, april. let's do it i'm excited about this month yeah so it's going to be a vent crawler month yes like of sorts like they're we're doing some <laughs> vents but they're not traditional vent crawlers right right just uh, just throwing that out there unless anybody any vent where my my, my, my vent boys at <laughs> the venton boys are coming um <laughs> They're, they're 04451 and they're going to put in the passcodes. <laughs> and I, um, but yeah, we're doing uh, we're doing some games that have that kind of lineage. Right, right. Um, starting out uh, with a game that we've teased at doing for a very long time, uh, Bioshock 2. Yep. I'm so excited to play this again. This will be my third time through this game and it is my favorite Bioshock. This will be my first. I'm really excited for you to play it. Yeah. So Bi- um, Bioshock 2, that's one episode. Uh, the episode immediately after that. Uh, is going to be Bioshock 2 Minerva's Den. Yes, uh, which is the short uh, story-based DLC that is uh, where a lot of the people from Fulbright got their uh, kind of start doing Fulbright shit. Yes. Um, so this is, uh, in some ways, like if you play it, like you do Bioshock shit in it. Mm-hmm. You know, you got plasmids and stuff, but it definitely shares DNA with Gone Home, and it's awesome to see. Yeah. Um, it is really, really good. Nobody played it when it came out. <laughs> um, I think it was tied to like games for windows live or some bullshit. Like there are a lot of reasons why it, yeah. it didn't do really well, but it's gained a, a kind of a cult following as being some of the strongest Bioshock content. Um, yeah. And it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, we're doing a guest uh, dictated episode from our Patreon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing, uh, and this is something we would have had to get gotten around to a long time. And even personally, I have to get around to this because it is the granddaddy of so many things that I love. I know. Right? Um, we're, yeah, we're doing a uh, ultimate underworld. Yeah. So we're having Justin gut on. Um, yes. who uh, is, has asked us to play this. I'm excited about it because it is from an era of PC games that I pretty much entirely missed, mm-hmm. um, which is which is good. It's available on uh, GOG, and my understanding is that you can mod the controls to make it a little bit more friendly. 
yeah, that's which is uh, which is the big deal uh, for it because it was kind of before. It's a little bit like System Shock One, is my understanding. Right, it's a little bit right. Before kind of kind of those ease of use considerations, mm-hmm. um, but it is kind of that early immersive sim, but takes place in a dungeon. Yeah. Um, also marking our first, uh, but probably not our last Ultima game, uh-huh. um, which is really cool to see. And yeah, I just I love scratching this off my list. Yeah. Uh, some somebody make us play through Wasteland. You could Wasteland is playable. Like I know, it, it, I know. It'll take a while, but you can get into Wasteland. Yeah, I just I, I would have to take such a running start up to that because that is definitely the kind of game where I would print out the manual. It, it's um, obtuse. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've tried many times. Yeah, <laughs> because I probably made like five attempts to play with through Wasteland, and it's just it's uh, it's obtuse. Yeah, I mean it's not, not impossible, but it, it would be a tough butt. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, so those are the games we're doing uh, for April. If you want to write in about those, uh, write in by April 15th. Mm-hmm. Um, really excited about that month. Um, we also have another cool thing going on in April, and that is our uh, second live show at the Midwest Gaming Classic in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, at which we are covering the 1994 Donkey Kong game. Yes. Um, Kongs are in the news right now, and uh, we're capitalizing on all that Kong news. Yeah. We're, we're getting them yeah. Kongs. So this is the Game Boy one. That starts mm-hmm. out with a series of levels that are recognizable from classic arcade Kongs, and then it turns into like a like a like almost like a puzzle platformer. Yes, it's very uh, it's very subversive mm-hmm. um, in in a lot of ways. Uh, the uh, so we're looking forward to playing that. We will be doing a uh, what are, what are the dates on that? Is it nineteenth? Uh, that is the thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth. Yes, uh, that's when we'll be there, and um, we're going to be sharing a table with Retronauts. So come say hi to those guys. Come say hi to us. Uh, we'll be doing a meetup. Um, we'll probably split that with them as well. We did yeah. that this year and it was successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will, we'll talk to them about that, but we'll make announcements about that on social media. Um, come say hi, please. Uh, we'll be there. We're nice. Um, we're not mean. And we would love to meet you. Yeah. Um, Agreed. Yeah. And we have a, a bunch of other stuff for this year planned. Mm-hmm. Um, just before we got on Mike, we were talking about our episode 200 thing. And I think we were both like, like arguably unduly uh excited for i think that we're both just really due for a playthrough of it yeah yeah no um, i'm i i've been uh just champing at the bit like i found myself just like the cursor hovering over the icon like no yeah. i need to save it but, but i could get started now but no yeah. i need to save it episode episode 200 a dangerous game to start uh start that early too. <laughs> yeah um yeah so we're really uh really looking forward to that we have a lot of cool stuff planned this year if you want to um support us in general you can head on over to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv if you want to dictate a month or a game for a month uh, you can do so that's a reward tier and that's why we're doing breath of the wild and ultimate underworld um that is why we did mech month mm-hmm. um there's a lot of that so those kind of cool rewards yeah uh, for you so keep an eye on that some of those uh, slots are already filled mm-hmm. but they will open up and uh people will be able to get in there and uh, we, we, those have all been fun and successful so far. So yeah. into it. Yeah. Um, I think that's about it. Yeah. Oh, um, real quick. Uh, also, there's a new show on the network. Oh, yeah. We should talk about that. Yeah. Um, listen to uh, Everything to Guppy. That is my show I mentioned earlier that I do with Will Hughes. It is an item by item uh, and aspect by aspect uh, exploration of the Binding of Isaac mm-hmm. a video game series that takes it's a about 10 minutes long. And it's on days that Monster My Podcast is not on. Right. So every day there is a like 10 minute or less podcast on Duckfeed. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So that is at everything to guppy.cat or you can mm-hmm. go to uh, duckfeed.tv and it's available from the front page there. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I really like it. Hopefully you like it as well. Um, ratings and reviews are huge when a show first starts and let us know what you think about it. And specifically if you're not Will's mom 
Lit will know what you think about it because <laughs> uh, he he would love to hear it. He's uh, at Plumber Duck on Twitter, so embarrass him. He doesn't take compliments well, and I want to luxuriate in his misery. So brick um, his switch, everybody. <laughs> Say brick his switch. That that is uh, the show. The show already has memes. Oh, okay. It's, yeah, it's I, already to inside joke level. Oh, I haven't. Uh, I haven't listened to it yet. I so feel very sad about that. Stuff only th- only everything to Guppy fans will know about what brick your switch is. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah, get, man, get your switch bricked at everything to Guppy <laughs> uh, So fantastic. Yeah, um, I think that's that's about it. Just about. Um, thanks everybody. Uh, and, uh, until next time, uh, watch out for response dog. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. We, we, we had, we had something in that special thing we recorded the, like the, the, oh man, something about blood, like hop in the blood vat. Yeah. Hop in the blood vat. Yeah. Hop in the blood vat. I think you got it. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll go back and I haven't edited that yet. So we'll get it. Yeah.